In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH Ah, kind of a damp morning, isn't it? And mercy, what a blow-through that was last night, that initial arrival of the rain. Got limbs down all over the place. Hey, we got a special edition today. Going to get caught up to date with the Athens City Fire Department. A lot of excitement out here at the station getting ready for tomorrow's Easter egg hunt something we've done for many years and a very popular event and finally uh, yesterday was Ohio University's Giving Day um, I don't know if they've done this before but I think they will um, but this was for this year it was a single day where everybody was encouraged to you know, make a donation of some kind to a program that they particularly liked. And there were lots of programs to choose from. Anyway, final results there. They raised $825,000. 2,027 people participated. And uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm betting on how we'll do that again. Once again, the Easter egg hunt is tomorrow. We have people that call us from all over the place uh, wanting to know when, if we're doing it again and where, you know, what date and that sort of thing. So, um, and the, the, the funny thing, um, let me let me bring uh, uh, Bob Reimer on board. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing? Good. Uh, he's chief of our city Athens fire department, folks. But um, the funny thing is, you know, our people, as they're, our staff as they're hiding these there's a hundred and five eggs this year wow and you know sometimes where they have to hide them or the pit spots they pick out like someone says why is that guy there <laughs> so are they doing it all over the city is it just one general it's, area they it's do within it? the county okay and i think mostly within the city so sometimes they'll, you know, the police will get called, <laughs> you know, or something <laughs> like that, and then our guys have to explain what they're doing, and they, then they know, you know. But uh, anyway, never mind. Well, good morning, folks. Um, the city of Athens Fire Department. Bob Reimer's been the chief. He's been on the show a half dozen times uh, since he's been on board here, and. Um, you know, I was looking at uh, some of your website. The Athens Fire Department was established in 1830, folks. Think of that. You know, we think of the, the university, 1804, and that sort of thing. But, I, you know, you forget about the history factor. 1830. And the building it operated out of is basically where... Our city hall is today there on the, what is that, the west, east, um, east Washington, east Washington mm -hmm. street, right, right across from the city parking garage. 
City Hall, right? Yes. And, you know, they had a building right next to it that that um, was a stable. You know, stables for the horses. Because if in that day, you know, the fire equipment, such as it was, basically were water wagons. And uh, just think of that. 1830. Well, times have changed. Bob, you, um, let's see here. We'll cover some of the basics of the fire department first, and then we'll get into what's going on. Um, we have two stations. Station one up here on Col- the top of Columbus Road and station two on Stimson Avenue. Um, now, how many firefighters are there total? You, you know, our even full, including yourself. Our full roster complement is 22 personnel, myself, and then seven per shift. Okay. Uh, we're down a few positions right now with retirements. We're in the hiring process. Uh, probably hire between four to six this year to cover retirements. Uh, uh, but right, but it, our full complement is 22. When I started, it was 25. I think the height in the late 70s was 28. And, folks, since he mentioned it, uh, these uh, if this holds any interest for you, if you go to the city's website and then the fire department, there is a place on there to file an application to be a firefighter. All right? Now, um, but 22, you say? Yes. Now, the least you ever have on duty at any given moment is four people, right? Correct. That's what we have today. So there's two up at Columbus Road and two at uh, Stimson. Station, or Richland Avenue. R- uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Richland Avenue. Um, a typical shift is 24 hours, right? Correct. Uh, but uh, even if you're off duty, you're on call. Yep. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Um, by the way, to, if you if everything's running normal like, you're on 24 and off 48. Correct. Okay. So we work a 48-hour uh, work week where the normal person, like, like, like myself, works a 40-hour work week. So the average firefighter... Um, without working any overtime, works 2,496 hours a year before they get paid any overtime. So it's basically 500 hours more than what the normal person, because they don't get holidays off either, like you and I may. Right. Now, um, equipment. Mercy. Um, You know, a, a, a pumper truck which is the most common vehicle, you might say, mm-hmm. um, used to weigh 20,000 pounds, right? Yes. Yeah, the, the one we had in the 60s, uh, our old trucks, when we moved into the station on Columbus Road, was 19,600 pounds. Uh, I found out from a, a friend of mine who collects old fire trucks and sure. has a uh, 60s version Seagrave, which is what we had then. 
uh, today. That truck is, uh, the GVW on it, I haven't weighed it, is uh, 53,000 pounds. And we're carrying twice as much equipment. Uh, they try to make the trucks lighter today out of aluminum, uh, stainless steel, in order to make them last longer. But with all the equipment that we have to keep on it today, between, in the 60s we didn't have air packs. Now every seat has an air pack on it with spare bottles. Uh, we didn't have positive pressure fans to push the smoke out of the area. So now we have fans on the truck, uh, power saws, normal, just basic tools, thousands of feet of hose. So that adds up. So it went from 20,000 or 18, whatever it was, mm -hmm. to how much these days typically? I'd say around forty-five to 50,000. Uh, if we were to take it, just the weight of it. So an more engine. than doubled. Yes. Okay. Um, plus, um, there's all sorts of other equipment that um, years ago wasn't common to a fire department, like a ladder truck. And... And, and what's a couple other such vehicles? A heavy rescue. We didn't used to have a heavy rescue. So when we moved in at uh, Columbus Road, there's, I actually have a picture uh, of that was from the newspaper article where it's showing them pulling the trucks into the station. We had an engine, and we had a ladder truck then. It was a, an old Seagrave tiller, much smaller. Uh, and then we had old backup pumpers like uh, the 39 Seagrave, which we still have uh, in the building out at Station 2. Mm. Uh, but we did not have a heavy rescue then. Uh, so that now what's a heavy rescue uh, we specialize in six technical rescues uh, and we cover we actually respond to 11 counties in southeast Ohio what we call region 7 okay. uh, along with Portsmouth uh, Jackson uh, some of those uh, other bigger departments Nelsonville is a part of it so those six technical rescues are the things that are other than basic firefighting trench rescue if you're doing construction and a trench collapses or putting in water line confined space rescue going down into sewers and manholes and and uh, chemical plants where they're cleaning out tanks hmm. uh, rope rescue uh, probably one of our, it's the basic thing we do for high angle um, building collapse a tornado comes through we, we went to the planes for that um, heavy rescue a train rolls over or a tractor trailer rolls over on top of a car uh, things of that nature and then we have a uh, swift water rescue so we do all that stuff and on that truck there covers just that truck covers like five of the technical rescues that we have to be proficient in and be able to respond so just on that truck we have torches chainsaws that are cut through concrete um, hoses and all kinds of stuff for confined space struts for setting up uh, supports for mm -hmm. building collapse for mm -hmm. trench rescue panels for trench rescue four by eight sheets of of wood things of that nature well, the point is, folks, that over the years, of course, like anything, um, stuff gets more complicated, more specialized, more heavy, more costly. So, um, you know, it's a long way since just horse-drawn water wagon, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, so there's been um, um, concern about the structure, Station 1, which is um, also the headquarters, you might say. 
of um, our Athens Fire Department. That's at the top of Columbus Road there. Um, it's kind of built on stilts, um, if you know what I mean. Um, does it, um, when was it built? 1965. And, um, you know, years ago I was on some committee that did advising to the fire department. I can't recall if it was during my city council days or something else. But, um... There was a good bit of concern even then, and that's a long time ago, about um, how to maintain that garage um, so that it would always be useful and uh, could support the weight of the newer equipment and the jazzier equipment. Um... So, you know, I don't I don't want to think the city hasn't done what they should have done. Um, do you so to speak to the the maintenance of that building? Well, since two and I believe the the um, group that you were with was 96 when they did that study. And that you were sounds talking about then right. about the replacement of the station or uh, we've been talking about a third station since before I started here in 93. Um, but that particular study that you did was in 96. So since 2005, for structural repairs, um, for updates, we, as of the money we spent this year, I believe it's about 575000 we've put into it to keep it standing. Uh, and, and you can come and take a look at it. We've put steel uh, I-beams and structure underneath of it to try and support uh, where the concrete's cracking, falling apart, concrete chunks are coming out. Uh, Right now we're waiting for another repair to where the concrete has spalled and created what they call soft spots. The rebar is showing in the concrete ramp area. Uh, they recommend don't drive in the trucks over it, so we had to move some vehicles around to accommodate for that. Mm -hmm. um, but we've put quite a bit in it. There's still there's, there's quite a bit more repairs that would still need to be done. Uh, we had a, with the latest movement at the end of last year, we had a uh, independent engineer come in and take a look and looked at it, it was just no longer conducive for a fire station. Uh, as you said, with the, the trucks, we're having extra equipment now, it's twice as much weight. It was a marvel of its time. Uh, talking to a gentleman whose father built the station, said people were coming from all over to see that station and how it was built on stilts. And at the time, it, it served well, uh, but it's just no longer conducive for, for a fire station. Okay, and... And the biggest issue is the weight factor and the stress it puts on that building. Now, that, that building is, folks, they're not talking about tearing it down, the city. They're talking about using it for other purposes, which would not have that heavy equipment in there, right? Correct. Part of what the, uh, the architect is being tasked with and, and the engineers that we have hired is what do we do with the building when we're done? Yeah. Do we sell it to the public so they can use for something else? Do we repurpose it for another department? Mm -hmm. uh, what is the amount if we repurpose it? What are we going to need to put into it in order to make it uh, work for what we need it for? Well, that's more of a city decision than Correct. the fire department. Okay, now, um, 
So, um, you folks explored a lot of different potential sites to rep- to put Station One to relocate Station One Two, not One Two, but <laughs> never mind. Um, where to move it to? And the site that um, I believe. Uh, the experts say makes the most sense is at sort of toward the end of Stimson Avenue. Um, and there's some recreation fields there just before the river. Um, and I, as I recall, AEP had their headquarters there in a building for a long time. And that building now is I'm not certain. Is okay. it the one at the end of Hudson Street that the city no, owns part of the impound now? Uh, Was that the AEP building? or No, no, no. You're talking about the Red Cross. Red Cross, yes. yes that's where yes. they're located. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. Um, now, the reason that's a great site, the experts say, is because from there, you can move any number of directions and get to, um, you know, most other parts of the city quickly. Uh, so even if Station 2 is closer to the scene uh, from the new Station 1, if it's built there, it can be there rapidly too. Uh, and whatever. So... Um, that that suggestion has been submitted, and of course, as is customary, someone announces it. And you've had some pushback, right? Uh, there's been some concerns about the location, yes. And is it primarily from people who live in that neighborhood? Uh, from some of the addresses that I've been giving from given from those people, yes. But I cannot speak to every person that I have spoken with. Okay, now... You've had a couple meetings to discuss this publicly. We had one last night. Had one last night. Mm-hmm. Um, roughly, how many attended last night? I did not count. I'm going to guess between 20 and 25. So uh, not not a huge outpouring. No. But um, the people that are concerned about this and would prefer it not be at the end of Simpson Avenue are kind of upset. Now, what is what is it that bothers them about it? Is it um, is it noise or what? Well, there's uh, from some of the concerns that I have heard. Uh, there's noise uh, with sirens. There's light with um, lights from the station. There's, uh, it's in the green space. It's about an eight-acre lot, but the proposed uh, footprint of the actual station and, and parking lot stuff is about two acres. So there'd still be about six acres left over, mm-hmm. uh, and it's some improvement in that area. Uh, there was concerns about uh, driving through the the near neighborhood down the streets to cut through other parts of town. Um, concerns that it's in the floodplain and where's that uh, water going to be displaced to if it does flood uh, and 
I couldn't tell you exactly. I think it's over 22 feet when the flooding happens is when it gets up into that general area. Mm. Um, but there, those were some of the main concerns that I had heard. Okay. Um, so... Do you have uh, any other choices? Did the engineers or the people who help you determine potential sites, did they have, um, you know, was, did this win 10 points where the next one won seven? You know what I mean? I mean, um, we're, you know, we're talking about the safety of the community. Um, if you said you're going to put it on the corner of Grand Park and Dalton and uh, replace my home with the fire department and I'm going to buy the house next door, um, I don't think I would mind Um, having you guys next door. I want Athens to be healthy and safe. And I don't want anybody um, hurt or injured here. Um, I'm being silly here at the moment. But the point is... Um, if a siren went off at um, 3 a.m. because you have a run, um, I think I could get used to that because I know somebody's in trouble. Um, so the 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 primary objection is like noise, right? Uh, I don't know if that's the primary objection. I know that it's one of the concerns that was brought up. So noise, yes, is a uh, is a concern with trucks pulling out and most of the time using their lights and sirens to clear traffic as needed. Yeah. Um, so they're worried about, especially in that neighborhood with the sirens. Okay. Uh, but that's already a main, Simpson Avenue is already a main fire lane to certain parts of the city. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're already driving through there. But not every single call that we have currently is going down Simpson Avenue. So if we're leaving from Simpson Avenue every single call, uh, then yes, the the amount of noise in that area would increase. Uh, but again, that's it's all depending on where you're going. Are we turning left and going to the inner to the the four lane and going to the east in the town? Are we going straight over to the university down North 1804 Way? Are we going to the south side of town? Are we going uptown? Um, and people have gotten used to sirens. They do. You could at, talk to some of the neighbors I've talked to in our current neighborhood. Of Yeah, you get used to it. You just kind of tone it out. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. Second Street residents talk about, well, that's a main thoroughfare for the ambulances coming from Kenny Drive. They hear it all the time, and they, they get used to it. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, so... Um, where do we stand? Um, the people that met last night, um, were they vocal? 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they expressed their concerns about the same things that I just spoke about earlier. And um, so is this – this isn't just Bob Reimer's decision. This is something that the mayor and everybody has to push forward, right? Correct. Um Is this the only meeting you've had on this for the public? No, this is the second meeting we had. Uh, I don't have a specific date of when we had the other meeting. It was uh, at least a month ago. Okay. Are there others planned? or? I do not believe we have any others planned between now and the election on May 3rd. Okay. Okay. Now, you just said something I think I'm not aware of. May 3rd, election. Uh, I was aware of that, but is there something on the ballot? There is a income tax increase proposal for 0.1% on the ballot. A tenth of a percent. tenth of a percent to go from 1.85%, which it currently is, to 1.95%. And that is to last, in my understanding, 20 years for public safety capital purchases. So, okay. station. Uh, truck purchases in the next 20 years, uh, possibly a, a training center at our site on Kenny Drive, um, other things that may come up, but SCBA replacement, which it had to be replaced within that time frame. So, uh, What was the initials you just used? Uh, SCBA, a self-contained breathing apparatus, our air tanks that we wear oh. on the back to go into a fire. Okay. Uh, we just got new ones, but they're only good for 15 years if they, if they last that long. Um, so within 20 years, they would have to be replaced again. When the um, Belks fire occurred uptown, uh, were you anywhere nearby back then? No. Okay. Well, you know there's this parking lot there, mm-hmm. and that used to be a three-story, maybe even four-story building. And I was... Um, in the air truck filling tanks that had been used, refilling them, I should say, when that was all going on. And uh, back then, that that truck was owned by the county, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe came from the Richland Area Department where they had it stored. Uh, anyway, I'm off topic. So, um, so what if uh, the voters, you know, let's say they are all for the um, the fire department, but they don't want to increase their taxes. Um, this isn't um, so. The outcome of this could be the decision on not ad- adding a tenth of a percent. Um, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with people not wanting noise in their neighborhood or anything like that, right? Correct. It could be, I just don't want it. But I want the fire department. So, is your whole future dependent on this tax? For the replacement of the station? Yes, sir. Uh, Yes. Uh, That's the, the simplest question I, or simplest answer I could give you is uh, if that is not passed, then where else do we get the funding? 
Okay. Well, we'll see how it goes, I guess. What, um, if you were me, what, what question do you think, um, you've been on the show a number of times, um, and the odds that someone heard one of the previous shows are slim. Kind of a catch if you can, catch if you can. I don't know what that expression was. But anyway, um, how many fires, uh, how, how many calls did you have, let's say, in a, some given period? Maybe it's last year or... You, you have some of those sort of stats memorized, I'll bet. Last year, we had 911 responses. 911. Mm-hmm. And if, if you... Somewhere there's probably a scale that determines, you say, of this 911, 114 were serious concerns. And such was... Uh, a false alarm, and such was, you know, different categories. So how many fires did we have last year? Is, is that a reasonable question? We had 18 structure fires last year, okay. which was up from nine the year previously. Doubled. Yes. But with and because of COVID, you know, call volume had dropped off. Our, our I believe we were averaging around 1,100 runs a year pre-COVID dropped off to about 775 with with the university being out of session a lot of people not being here uh-huh. a lot of people staying home uh, went back up to 911 last year and I believe it's increased even more should be breaking 911 this year probably more than a thousand runs so we're getting back up to where we were uh, when I started in 93 it was about 350 calls a year and like I said our, our height was around 1100. Um, okay, so, let's see, you said 14 fires, was it? 18. 18 fires. That's structure fires, that's not including grass fires, car fires, trash fires, that's just house fires. The, um, you know, I often see fire equipment at the scene of an accident. Um, so, um. How many, do you know a number for that sort of thing? I do not know last year's number. Uh, I, I can go back to pre-COVID, I'm going to say 2000 and, see, I think it was 2019 two th- or 2020. It was, um, I think we had 60, 65 auto accidents in the city and 54 elevator rescues. So about 11% of our calls were just rescue-oriented. 54 elevators. Mm-hmm. We, we average about one a week on those. <laughs> That's amazing to me. Okay. I have, wouldn't even have thought of that. Um, okay. Uh, so there's still a bunch of calls in there that we haven't really defined. So help me do that. Okay. What, what are some of the other major categories? Uh, our, our number one was most likely going to be uh, response to alarms. 
about 50% of our calls. A lot of people say false alarms, but it, it gives a, uh, a false notion that all alarms are to be ignored. Yeah. We run into that quite a bit, especially in off-campus housing. Uh, there's a reason the alarm goes off. Sometimes it's a faulty detector. Most times it's cooking fires, burnt food, um, products that are setting off the detector. Um, but so a lot of people just like talk well, they're false alarms. You get there and there's not there's not fire blowing out the window, so that's a false alarm. Well, that's that's not true. That's a preemptive device. It's to let you know that hey, by the way, you got food on fire inside your microwave put the fire out or take care of the issue or pay attention it's, it's a letting you know ahead of time before it does become a bigger fire uh, so that's one of our number one calls there uh, we have I don't want to call them good intent calls for service as far as carbon monoxide calls um, gas leaks and odors um, lift assist with EMS we get those or didn't those more frequently uh, because EMS is their call volume is through the roof and they just don't have the staffing for it um, I'd have to go back and look and see what some yeah. of the others are okay um, now um, th th let's talk about um, your equipment the trucks if you will um, now I see that um, the most recent truck uh, or fire equipment piece of sig okay truck uh, was purchased um, six or seven years ago right uh, the most recent that would be uh, 20, 2015 is no we just saw purchased one somewhere. in 2020 I believe it was we okay. just got received one last year so maybe it was 2021 when it was delivered okay. and that's the uh, engine at station 2 now, um, but you have some trucks that, um, well, one at least, uh, according to my notes, that was built in 1997. Uh, that one is the one we just replaced okay. with the new engine we bought. Okay. Uh, it was old 1005. Our oldest vehicle now, due to be replaced in the next two years, is uh, 1004. That's a 2004-something engine. Okay. We try and replace them every 20 years. We keep them on the front line in service for 10 years, then we put them in reserve for 10 years. Uh, just the way that they're, you know, the, the miles are putting more miles on them. Uh, we use, we have to take them pretty much everywhere because of our staffing. We don't just have the ability to take this pickup truck and go take care of this inspection. Uh, it's mm -hmm. everybody piling the truck, all two or three of you go take care of your inspection or going to get lunch or going down for whatever the the incident may be uh, so we use the engines the most um, and so you, you the last truck I think we got rid of had 80,000 miles on it yeah they, they, they don't get a lot of miles uh, but um, but they're hard miles <coughs> that's right um, the um, you know you you mentioned uh, was it Seagrave? Mm-hmm. Okay, that that used to be made in Columbus, didn't it? Uh, you know, I'm not certain. I know something is. I believe Seagrave. Or maybe was. I have those two mixed up. But um, I was going to say, 
um, for years there's been a, a company in South Columbus that has made fire equipment. Mm -hmm. And it's still, you know, nationally known. Uh, was then, as when I was a kid, is still. Um, just a little bit of Ohio trivia there. Um, is there, you know, how we talk about there's Cadillacs and then there's, you know, what is, what, what, what brand is the most um, uh, famous for firefighters? Vehicles. Yeah, it depends. Right now, uh, I think our number one is uh, Pierce. Okay. We have three mm -hmm. Pierce engines now. We have one Sutphin engine, a Sutphin ladder truck, and we have a Spartan rescue. Um, so it depends on, on your preference. Uh, one thing we like about the Pierce, especially with our brick streets, is the independent suspension. Ah. Uh, the old Sutphins had the straight axle, and it was just it would beat you to death when you're driving in a, a heavy truck like that up and down the brick streets. Mm -hmm. um, not to say, I mean, Southern may have independent suspension now, but it depends on the department. Some love this brand, some love that brand. Well, um, I assume there's some sort of um, trade association, if you want to call it that, for uh, firefighters and, and, and fire chiefs and things like that. Um, when you, you belong to anything like that? Uh, as far as trade, where, where are we speaking? Well, I, like in my case, uh, there, we have the National Association of Broadcasters. Mm -hmm. And then, um, different people represent different areas and they get together and they learn things from one another and, um, share ideas and, and, uh, new concepts and things like that. Now. Um, do you have, um, uh, well, you know, like you, you work with an awful lot of outfits. I mean, the FEMA, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. uh, I have fire chiefs, international fire chiefs, national fire protection agencies. There's a lot of resources where you can, uh, network yes. information, especially the international fire chiefs. You could put something in saying, we're looking at this engine, what problems do you have with this engine? What should we be looking for type deal? Um, Southeast Fire Chiefs, there's there's quite a few organizations out there that we're a part of. Now, um, I mentioned FEMA a moment ago. That stands for Federal Emergency Management Agency. Uh, you also have federal and state environmental protection agencies. Um, I guess we have a local emergency planning committee. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's the state fire marshal's office. Uh, you have to um, work within those organizations a lot, right? Yes. You meaning the, the fire department. Um, do um, Is this something that the chief has to do, or do you have, like... Um, I'm going to call it a lieutenant that uh, is assigned to this and another one that's assigned to that or what? Uh, it's mostly myself, but there are others that are, are assigned to to uh, certain ones. So a captain may be part of a committee for the fire marshal's office uh, to be our representative. Uh, maybe another one that's a, a member of the uh, 
LEPC, something of that nature. So it all depends on what it is, but a lot of it has to do with you know, the time and availability and, and how often it is. Now, um, there's another component, and from my point of view, I don't hear too much about it, but I think it's important, and that is inspections, right? Yes. Um, how, how do you go about... Um, When does an inspection need to occur? When does it occur? When um, can someone simply ask to be inspected? They can. Okay. Mm-hmm. What we try and do is... And we are we talking about homes or businesses or all uh, of the above? We don't do inspections of homes. We do a courtesy check. Uh, residentials are taken care of as far as rental units are taken care of by code enforcement. Uh, as far as personal, your home. There's no real inspection for us to do there, but if you would like us to do a courtesy check, we can come down and say, hey, you know, you should store your gasoline in a safe place outside, or you should not put your extension cords underneath your your runner rug on the floor because it'll wear a hole in the cord. So it's just more of a safety type deal of here's what will help you out. Here's where we recommend you maybe mount a fire extinguisher. Uh, Businesses, we have a over 800 businesses and between 800 and 900 businesses in the city and they're supposed to be inspected at least once a year uh, however we do not have a full-time fire inspector have not since 86 still trying to get one back uh, all of our guys are trained in that so with all the other things that we have to do between the 800 hydrants we're supposed to be testing uh, the inspections the training uh, the daily duties and maintenance on equipment and station uh, so it's handle this many inspections this year in this area, handle this many hydrants. Next year, we'll do some more inspections in this area, and we just try and do as, as much as possible. On top of responding to over a 1,000 calls a year. Now, in my home, I have um, what I call fire alarms, and it requires a 9-volt battery, mm-hmm. and every year or so it starts chirping and uh, so you walk around the house to try to stand still and wait for another chirp to try (laughs) to find which one it is and then you replace the battery Uh, I have carbon monoxide detectors that Mm -hmm. do the same sort of thing Um, we have fire Two fire extinguishers. Um, I have a detached garage, and that has some things there too. That, and as you put it, the like the petrol cans for the mower and stuff like that is all out there. Um, but you're willing to, uh, if requested, go and look at a home. Not you, but I mean your your people. Mm-hmm. And they can say, um, you know, you, I, I haven't seen any fire protection stuff, and suggest that they uh, do some things, right? Correct. Yes. Again, with with rental units, we do have code that requires them to have ten-year lithium battery smoke detectors, carbon monoxide detectors, if they're necessary. Or, or hardwire detectors, but for this, the single residents like yourself, uh, there's no real requirements for that. 
Uh, so we make those recommendations, and one of the recommendations, as you were talking about batteries, is as we put out the message to the newspaper and through our social media is change your battery when you change your clocks. Now, I know most people don't change clocks anymore because your phone automatically changes yeah. or your iWatch automatically changes. So long or short of it, when you change your the time on your clocks twice a year, that's the time to change your battery, and you want to test it once a month. I bet a lot of people don't do that. Uh, most likely, no. Yeah. And we actually had an instant, as you were explaining earlier, um, where a lady, we actually had a house fire in a town home, which was adjacent to another town home, and the lady in the fire in the town home that did not have the fire. Uh, we had gone to check to make sure there was no fire spread and noticed her smoke detector was sitting on the banister upstairs. Ooh. And we asked if, you know, if one of our guys had taken that down. She says, no, I woke up in the middle of the night and my detector was chirping. So I took the battery out and said, I'll take care of it in the morning. And a couple hours later, her neighbor's place caught on fire and she got lucky. Yeah. Okay, now, um, let's see, Kenny Drive. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, uh, some land was, I think, donated? Correct. TS Tech. Uh, so, uh, years ago it was called TS Trim, now it's TS Tech. Um, they make, um, oh, upholstered seating, right? Yes, they make the interior parts, to my understanding, they make the interior parts and stuff for, um, Hondas. Honda vehicles mm -hmm. for older vehicles. So if you have a a 1995 Honda Civic, you need a new door panel for it. Yeah. They have the old molding and stuff there to make those those parts. And um, most of their stuff gets shipped up to uh, where is it Marysville, where the Honda plant is, yeah, possibly S something like that. Okay, but um, they donated some land to the city for the purpose of building a like a training center. And it, we're not talking about a fancy building or anything. We're talking about what? Uh, we're talking about a training tower for repelling uh, high-rise fire operations, a burn building, uh, more again, back to ISO requirements and NFA requirements, things that we have to do. We're supposed to be doing a live burn with our firefighters. I believe it's once a quarter. Uh, we have to have a three-story training tower, a minimum of two acres, and a burn facility there in order to help out with their ISO rating to lower insurance rates. So in 2015, that's one of the things we, we received no credit for because we had nothing here. And I had gone around and I talked with TS Tech and they see if we could purchase a couple acres and they lovingly donated 13 and a half acres to us. Cool. Um, and we ended up leasing, I believe, the city leased two acres to the county so they could build a new EMS station because they were in dire need of a new station at that time. Uh, and TS Tech said, as long as it's going to be used for public safety purposes, yes, we will we'll give you the land. So now it's a matter of coming up with the funding to build a large training center that wouldn't just be for us. It would be you know a regional training center to specialize in technical rescue for uh, the departments around us in the county to be able to use also for life burn training and uh, uh, rescue training. You know, something I've failed to mention, you've hinted at it a couple of times, but Folks, there's a thing called mutual aid, and that is where um, we have a variety of fire departments. Nelsonville, of course, has a, a city fire department. We have a number of volunteer fire departments. 
in our county. Um, it is a, a, a program whereby um, people help one another. And so maybe there's a fire in the city of Athens. And, of course, uh, the city fire people are involved, but um, through mutual aid, members of the Richland area, volunteer fire department, or um, the Plains, or whatever, um, may come in and assist. And vice versa, um, where city people um, help them. Um, mutual aid, or isn't that what it's called? Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, then in Region 7, you have a state responsive uh, team. Athens is prominent in that. Region 7 is how many counties, roughly? 11 counties. It goes uh, clear to, is it Portsmouth, is what, Lawrence County or Scioto yeah. County? Yeah. Uh, clear down towards Portsmouth, uh, up to Perry County, Logan County, or uh, Hawken County. So if there were a major event going on, it is possible that Athens could be helping wherever that was. Yes. Well, listen, I think you guys do a great job. We are out of time. Um, Folks, there is an election on May what? Third. And um, in order to get this done, the city's asking for a tenth of a percent tax increase for 20 years. Good luck to you. Thank you. And um, feel feel free to spread the word with us anytime you need to. Okay? All right. Thank you. Scott, we'll see you tomorrow, eh? Yes. Okay. Or let's see. What time is it? Oh, now it's time.